Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy at Floors to Your Home. Right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot, that's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who. It's been a busy week, there's no doubt about that. Of course, last weekend's NFL draft. Here, it was Anthony Richardson. There, as our next guest told us, about this time last week, it was going to be a quarterback, and indeed, it was. We just didn't know at the time until we're going to jump back up and grab themselves the best defensive player in the draft. Talking about the Texans, talking about the AFC South, and John McClain from Houston joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Well, you had that bag boy pretty pegged. Did you think that they were going to get back up there and and go for Anderson as they ultimately did, John? Yeah, I had that predicted in every mock draft. (laughs) Absolutely not. I'll tell you, somebody who did, I was watching the NFL Network the night before the draft, and Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is as good as there is on TV or online, uh, Daniel had that trait. And I thought in his last mock draft, and I thought, well, he's nuts. There's no way they're going to trade back up there and do that. And I was doing a a radio hit talking about C.J. Stroud and Brian Baldinger, one of the guys I was on a Zoom with. He looks up above him, and I'm guessing he had a screen. He said, oh, my God, the Texans have traded back up to get the third pick. Well, I knew then it was either for Will Anderson Jr. or Tyree Wilson because their two biggest needs by far were a quarterback and a defensive uh, uh, lineman, specifically an edge rusher. And Domingo Ryans had told us every time we talked to him, twice at the combine, that he had to dominate on both lines of scrimmage. Well, they've improved their offensive line. They needed a center. They drafted two. And then when they traded up to get Will Anderson, not only is he the best edge rusher, a lot of people thought he's the best defensive prospect once Jalen Carter's issues uh, came to surface. And then um, and then a lot of people had Will Anderson Jr. as their number one prospect. So people here celebrated like crazy. And then uh, – and then I saw Texans get ripped for giving up too much. And I told, and I, I wrote and I tweeted, the reason you have a lot of draft capital, they had 12 picks going into this draft, two number ones, 11 next year, two number ones, is when you want to move up. And they did for the best pass rusher. And then uh, they, they took the – they got the third overall pick and a fourth-round pick this year for the 12th pick, the 33rd pick this year, and then a one and a three next year. And they still have a one, two, and three next year, and they have nine picks next year. So it's not like they're destitute. And I love these mock drafts I'm seeing uh, already for next year, and everybody has the Cardinals having the first 
two picks, and I'm willing to bet Texans aren't going to have the first or second worst record because that means they would be worse than last year, which is almost impossible. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I love what they did. And you're right. You did hear a lot of stuff saying, you know, why would you give up so much? And then John others suggested, well, last or I should say next year's draft is supposed to be so robust. I, I'll be honest with you here. I, my clock is ticking and I don't expect the Colts to be that great. Very good. Any of that next year. But I damn sure don't want to see him back up for or inside of that. I don't. I want to see them. They did what they had to do. They went after their quarterback and what they believe in in their long-term future, and they're moving down that path. I like that, and I especially like what Houston did because they had the assets to jump back in to get somebody that they obviously coveted in that draft, and they did it. Their fan base should be elated. The fan base is elated. Everybody, even the media, that we've been ripping the Texans now for three years in a row, and justifiably, I wrote a column today that's on gallerysports.com about the McNair family and what they've been through beginning with the second quarter of the divisional playoff game after the 2019 season. They'd beaten Buffalo in a wild card game. Then they led Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium 24-0. And Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdown passes in the second quarter, and they lost 51-31. Bill O'Brien made some really boneheaded uh, calls, and they just choked that because players made mistakes they hadn't made before. But since they blew that game, it's been spiraling out of control. They traded DeAndre Hopkins, one of the worst trades in NFL history. They got two stiffs for him. And then they had they O'Brien was fired after an 0-4 start in 2020. They Jack Easterby, who never should have been hired, who was a disaster for this organization, was elevated to interim GM. And then the day after, no, two days Two days after 2020 season, Sean Watson's agent, David Mulligetta, told the Texans he wanted to be traded. And uh, then all the lawsuits started to pile up against Watson. J.J. Watt asked for his release to the McNair family and was granted his release. And then the fiasco continued with the whole 21 season where Watson was inactive for every game. And then Nick Casario, who'd been hired, not having any idea this kind of stuff was going to happen, I thought did a great job, starting with that trade for for uh, for Watson, getting six picks and three ones. And a four, the fourth rounder last year was used on Daniel Pierce, their running back. And so, but then they, they, they're terrible, and they fired two coaches after one season. People around the country couldn't understand why. People here had seen them play and saw how bad they were, and uh, and they should have been fired. And then, but once they hired D'Amico Ryan's, and then they had this draft, and they'd fired Jack Easterby midway through last season. When Easterby was fired, that was kind of the black cloud had been lifted, started to lift off the organization, and uh, and then when D'Amico was hired. 
and then with C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, and they they got some other players people here like, and uh, they can never say again they take the best athlete available. They take the best athlete available at a need position, which all of them do. Sure. And I just saw a great video with Chris Ballard showing the war room, and when the Texans traded, when it said Arizona had traded a pick. Ballard's holding his breath because he's worried that it's going to be a team that wanted Anthony Richardson. And when he heard it was the Texans, he started clapping because he knew (laughs) they were going to take another player and the Colts could get the prospect they wanted. So Jim Mersey, Chris Ballard, now Shane Steichen, those guys don't want to be terrible anymore. with, With Manning and Luck, you know, they were always good, always a threat to win the division until Luck retired. So now... The, the Colts got used to living at the top, near in the penthouse or near the penthouse. And so you know they want to do that again. They don't want to wait around. It's uh, John McClain joining us again. Galleriesports.com, SportsRadio610.com. The uh, longtime coverer and uh, writer and talker regarding Houston sports, certainly with the Houston Texans with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So what did you – I don't know how deeply we got, got into it last week. What do you think about C.J. Stroud, especially in the mix and the future there in Houston? Well, first of all, the Texans did the best job I've ever seen of keeping a lid on their plans. They said, D'Amico Ryans told us there were four people that knew what they were going to do, and they didn't tell anybody else. They didn't tell assistant coaches, scouts, personnel people. It was D'Amico Ryans, Nick Casario, the GM, and the two owners, Callan and McNair, and that was it. And so the more... And they said it was drought all along, and I believe them because they had that desperate need. He was the second or first quarterback on the board. I saw some like like uh, Lewis Reddick, Dane Burgler from from the Athletic, Phil Sims. They had Stroud number one, and people were blasting them, saying, "How can they not take?" C.J. Stroud, I bought into it. I had him taking an edge rusher. I didn't even get the right edge rusher. I had Tyree Wilson from Tech, Texas Tech, who went to the Raiders with the seventh pick. And and uh, so once they made that pick of Stroud, there, were, there was a fan fest that was at a place here called Miller Outdoor Theater, and there were 7,000. And the Texans put on a big show for them. And uh, and I was at the headquarters at NRG Stadium, and I was watching. Uh, and when they made that Stroud pick, people just went crazy. We were so excited. Even when Deshaun Watson was drafted in 17, you know, they traded up to 12 to get him. And they were coming off a playoff season and a playoff victory. So the, the, the atmosphere was not – as bad as it has been because they've been so pathetic on the field for three years in a row, winning only 11 total games. So now uh, they took the quarterback everybody thought they should take, and then when they traded back up for Will Anderson Jr., people just went into histrionics. Yeah, I I um I just thought they had a great draft. I did. Did you like it from 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 top to bottom? And I don't know if we got into as well outside of those two high picks, the off season that they've had in Houston, and and your thoughts on how that had gone up until the draft, and now when you can reflect on the off season and the draft together, John. 
Nick Casario's first draft, he didn't have first or second round picks because of Bill O'Brien trades. He last year before he got here, they didn't have a first round pick because of O'Brien trades. So it's last year he had two first round picks. He took cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. <clears throat> they put him in a zone. He should have been covering man to man. Then he got hurt, missed his last, I think, eight games, and uh, had a bad hamstring injury. And their other number one pick, left guard Kenyon Green, started every game, but over the second half of the year he struggled. And so, and they and they drafted Jalen Petrie as safety, who's been really good. So they brought in some good pieces, and then they we think that they got five starters in free agency. Now, we're not saying they're great, but they're better than the players they've replaced. And um, and then in this draft, besides the first two picks, they trade in the second round. They need the center. They got a guy named Juice Scruggs from Penn State. And then they took a center in the sixth, Jared Patterson from Notre Dame. Both of them can play guard. So that was the last thing they needed inside. They had traded for Bucks guard Shaq Mason to play the right side. And and other other draft choices, they have a receiver, Tank Dell from the University of Houston. And there's a story making rounds because Dell said this in an interview that after uh, C.J. Stroud uh, was drafted, Tank Dell said, tell him to draft me too. And he said he will. Now they're acting like he's Aaron Rodgers dictating <laughs> picks, even though he's Tank Dell's right here, scored more touchdowns than any receiver in college football last two years. And he's a tough uh, slot receiver, and he's got a great personality. And and so they got Scruggs and Dell in the second and third round. And, and – um, the guy I liked the most was projected to go in the third. He's fifth. Uh, is Alabama middle linebacker Henry Tortoa. I watched a lot of Alabama games because I wanted to see Bryce Young because I thought the Texans had a chance to get him. And every time they were on defense, I kept hearing Tortoa. And I was thinking, man, I hope the Texans don't get him. I have to spell his name, much less pronounce it. And, of course, now they have him. So they ended up – they went in with 12, came out with nine uh, draft choices. Now we're going to see him on the uh, rookie minicamp next week. And I can't remember – I guess the last time I was fired up for a rookie minicamp <laughs> was when Deshaun Watson had been drafted. But even then, he wasn't the starter at that time. And they'll never say this about C.J. Stroud. Of course, he'll start the first game. And what I love is we're going to watch Stroud and Richardson, and yeah. at some point, Will Levis, the grizzled veteran, in probably 10 games into the season when Levis starts earlier, Tannehill gets hurt. It's going to be so weird because Trevor Lawrence going into his third year is going to be the grizzled veteran of the starting quarterbacks, and it's going to be fun watching those guys develop and what kind of talent they have around them, who does the best job of coaching them. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch Anthony Richardson based on everything I've seen. You know, Steichen, the Texans love Steichen. I think if they hadn't hired D'Amico Ryans, they would have tried to hire him. They liked the fact he called plays, what he did with Jalen Hurts. He didn't make it too complicated. Sometimes coaches make it too complicated to show how smart they are, but he didn't do that. They didn't ask Hurts to do a whole lot, but what they want him to do, they want him to do great, and he did. So now he's got Richardson, an even better running weapon, and I, it's, you guys are going to have fun watching him, and we're going to have fun 
watching him down here twice a year. I can't remember a time in talking with you in recent years where you've been this excited. Well, it's because Texans have been so bad. Truthfully, <laughs> the last time people were really fired up about the Texans and it wasn't negative was after the 2018 season. They won the division, went 11-5, and five, and then Luck beat them here in the wild card game. But Andrew usually won here in his hometown, so people thought, wow, this, this Deshaun Watson is everything we thought he would be. And people were pumped about 2019 season, and then O'Brien just it became unraveled with O'Brien after he'd been named general manager, which was one of the humongous mistakes the, this organization has made. But now it's like happy times are here again, and they better not screw it up. You like um, Anthony Richardson here as a selection and a quarterback moving forward? I like him for, for who he's going to play for, and that you got a coach with a six-year contract, and he's going to be there a while. And they know he's going to struggle. He's All these guys are like newborns. They're going to struggle. They're going to fall. They're going to get picked up. And then the fans and media are going to watch him start to straighten it out and develop. I'm sure we're going to see him run a lot this year when his first reads are not open. And I think it's going to be fun. He reminds me of Cam Newton, only faster. And I can't wait to see him. I, I, just, I know they're talking about him. Well, you guys in the media are talking about him starting from day one. Yeah, He has so little experience. You know, I remember Heath Shuler, when he started for the Redskins, he made, his confidence was destroyed as a rookie starter, and he was never the same again. But they're smart up there. They know what they're doing. And if they think that uh, need to start the mustache, Gartner Minshew, go ahead and do that a few games till they think he's ready. Or if they think they want him to learn like Peyton. You know, Peyton had that through, what, 28 interceptions as a rookie? And I'll never forget Tony Dungy told me after his rookie year, we got to work on his play fakes. He needs to work on that. And then he became one of the best ever. So they may just do that with Richardson, although Peyton was so much more developed with what he did at Tennessee. So it's going to be so interesting and fun to watch. And I can't wait to see Will Levis when he gets in. And uh, and I'm guessing Tannehill will probably get hurt. He counts more against the cap than any player in the NFL this year. And it's his last year, and they've given up on Malik Willis, obviously. And I want to see all three of these guys playing at the same time. You know, John, in closing, too, you had mentioned that uh, the Texans had interest in Steichen. How deep did that run? Uh, well, if if uh, they interviewed him twice, and D'Amico Ryan's uh, – I think it was – no, I think they interviewed him once because it was on his Zoom because you couldn't inter- – they weren't bringing people in on the first interview. And so once they interviewed D'Amico, fans and media all wanted D'Amico Ryans to come on because he's one of the most popular players in Houston pro football history, respected by everybody. And, the fact, he did such a good job with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, who was here with him for his first four years, uh, highly recommended him. So then uh, once they did that Zoom, and his was after Steichen's, they really they turned to D'Amico, and it was unanimous. They said when Nick Casario got off, they turned to the McNairs and said, we got to get him in here and not let him leave. And they're like, whew, 
because that's who they wanted. They don't make them hire people here. It was Casario's decision. But I think if they hadn't have tried him, they would have offered Steichen, and then it would have come down to the Colts or the Texans, and it would have been uh, one of those all AFC South battles in the off season. But it's worked out great for both of them. And uh, one of the things that they had told me off the record that they liked so much about Steichen is how much confidence Nick Sirianni had in him to get him call plays for two years and that he was ready to be a head coach. I think people knew that after the 2021 season that he was ready. So I'm happy for Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard and all the fans up there and the media. But uh, what I what I don't think is fair, it's not going to be fair to the rest of the AFC South that if the Colts get Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and after suffering just a little bit, Anthony Richardson turns into a great quarterback, that just doesn't seem fair. <laughs> no, there's been some suffering here, though, recently. Now, I want to see the Packers suffer with a quarterback <laughs> for a change. Nothing against Jordan Love, but after 31 years of Favre and Rodgers, Packers need to suffer a little. Man, you're always fantastic, John. I appreciate you more than you know. GalleriesSports.com, SportsRadio 610.com. There's nobody more on top of it down in Houston than John McClain. Very proud to have you as a friend of this show. Love having you on. Have a great offseason. I'm sure we'll catch up as we move along, too, John. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you very much. And congrats to the Colts. And good luck the rest of the offseason. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, friend of this show from Beach Grove, he is Mike Chapel. I don't know. Does Beach Grove have a wellness center? I'm sure they do. We have, and we have indoor plumbing in Beach Grove too. So, hey, by the know, way, I saw Mayor Buckley on Saturday. His um, his brother is Blake's track and cross country coach. Did you know that? Oh, cool. Yeah, didn't know that. Yes, yeah, I no said. You know, I said there's this guy named Mike Chapel that comes on with me every Thursday that claims he's the mayor, the actual mayor of Beach Grove, <laughs> and not you. Well, we have figureheads, and then we have the real guys, and I'm a, I'm a figurehead. <laughs> hey, I saw this a little bit earlier today. Now, this is from the Athletic. Uh, it says when the Colts draft room was shown after the selection of Anthony Richardson, you saw no celebrations. The evaluation of him had to be complicated. And it goes on. I, I I swear I saw celebrations. I saw people high fiving. Yeah, I, I saw I people that. excited. Mueller, it was a Randy Mueller, from yeah. former uh, Saints, longtime Saints. Yeah, I don't know. I, and maybe you see a snippet where there weren't. I I, I thought I saw some celebration. I know Ursay was, you know, walking around like he hit the lottery, which he hopes he did. You you can you can 
I'm not saying anyone has an agenda. Certainly not Randy Muir. I think these guys are they try to do decent stuff. But you can you can make out of whatever you want when you see reactions or whatever. So they are they are happy they got their guy, and we'll know if it's the right guy in about two years. Well, I will say this uh, to me. It was, and I know it was a one hundred per one hundred and ten percent Shane Steichen, and we talked about this last week. I, I'm glad it was. I'm glad that he had. Again, was it a collective decision? There is no doubt. But the loudest in there was going to be your head coach and the guy that's going to be directly working with the new quarterback. And I like that. It, it we talked. It had to be. You, you don't. You know, kind of lock your your the future of your franchise initially to a head coach who has a history, a proven history of working with quarterbacks, and then not let him cast a deciding vote on the quarterback. You know, his, yes, Chris Ballard's reputation and his tenure here is tied to Richardson, but so is Shane Steichen. So it, it, it and I'm I get the impression this was probably one where they they agreed on it. But yeah, if there was any doubt, you have to go with your head coach or what in the heck is he doing here? There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And that's that's why I've been going back and forth with people all week long. And Mike Chapel from CBS 4 and Fox 59 is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I am on the side in this case of if you believe he is ready to go, and I'm hoping he's ready to go, then in week one, wind him up and turn him loose. Where are you with that? I, I can go back and forth on it. But first of all, I think, uh, Gardner Minshew will be more ready to play the opener in this offense than Richardson. He, he's been in it for two, you know, for two years. He's played in the league. He's had success. He'll be more ready to go. But if you believe that Richardson had a strong grasp of the offense, can handle protection calls, you know, and, and a lot of it may depend on where you think the offensive line is. You know, I realize people say, well, you know, this guy's got mobility. He can run away from pressure. Well, a lot of times these mobile quarterbacks run into pressure. So, you know, I think early it'll be good to know where that quarterback's going to be. But somebody mentioned, and, it, and I knew what the, I understand what they were saying. They said, well, if he's not going to hurt the team, then he should play. Well, the approach I took is as long as the team's not going to hurt him, he should play. And as from a protection standpoint, I remember, gosh, the years run together. There was a preseason game in 17 or 18, whatever it was. And the first game was in Buffalo. And they didn't play Andrew Lux. Because, you know, Buffalo had this pass rush and the Colts' offensive line was not very good. But if they think this guy's ready, the, the people around him are ready, and, and they can get the protection right. Remember a couple of times when we talked to Jim Irsay on Friday, he talked about simplifying the offense and all this. So they will do everything they can to balance simplifying the offense yet maximizing what everyone can do, including the quarterback, Jonathan Taylor, and the receivers, and, and, and being effective. They're not going to throw him out there, the David Carr, Type of thing. They're not going to do that. But if he, if they believe he's ready to go, you know, your, your gut says no. You, you, you start Minshew, 
and let this kid sort of watch and see. But if if you believe you've got him ready as far as the playbook and protection and the team around him is ready, you play him. You know, go back to it's totally different, I realize. But, you know, Peyton played every snap, 982 snaps as a rookie. He may have played all of his snaps year two. But keep in mind, he had a pretty good offense around him. Now, he didn't really kind of get it until midway. It was, it was a Frisco game out in Frisco when they got hosed by the league. But if this kid's ready to go, play him, I guess. Although you can talk me into letting him sit a couple a couple games. But what happens if you sit him a couple games and Minshew goes out there and he starts playing well? And you're 3-1, and one, then, then what do you do? So I, I think from talking – it's funny. You talked – when we talked to Ballard – last week and over the weekend, he really tried to pump the brakes on things as much as he could. You take a guy number, you know, fourth overall, it's kind of hard to pump the brakes, but he sort of did. And more the more you heard Shane Steichen and Jim Mercer talking, it was reps, 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 got to play to get better. And twice or three times Jim Mercer mentioned the opener. So uh, if he's ready, you know, maybe they just put him out there. Who do you think in that room had to be more talked into it, Mike? Talked into Richardson at four. I think they were all on board with it. I really do. I, I, I really do. Uh, it, well, it's hard to know who you have to parcel out who's who was least enthusiastic. I think they were all on board. What was really, really, really interesting after seeing Will Levis drop to thirty-three, was it second round? That Jim Irsay said that if Richardson had been gone they more than likely would have taken Levis at four. So they liked him as well. But I, I, I think that all the work they had done with the scouts and the Ed Dodds and Morocco Brown, I, I think they, at some point, I think Chris Ballard said like a month ago, a month before the draft, they had settled. They, they, had, they had really kind of settled on Anthony Richardson. So I'm not sure there were, there were a lot of dissenters in that room when it came time to draft him. It'd be interesting to watch the whole dynamic. And you bring up Mike Will Levis, and you have Anthony Richardson. The race for production and justifying a pick compared to the fall from grace if somebody doesn't make it. I mean, really, throughout the AFC South, is going to be a significant watch over these next few years. Well, in Houston getting Stroud. I mean, and then, you know, two years ago, Trevor Lawrence was number one overall. So. But let's just say they're all everybody's right on their picks. This is going to be a great division to watch grow. Now history tells us that somebody's not going to make it because that's just the way it is. But you know the one thing that's interesting, and I understand why ESPN did it because that's what they do. But they kept flashing to Will Levis and his girlfriend in the green room or whatever you want to call it, and it really is gut wrenching to watch a kid sit there and sit there. And I went back and looked, and the number four pick, Richardson, gets 30, I think it's $35 million guaranteed over four years. That doesn't include his fifth-year option. And at 33, I think Levis gets $8 million, only like $5 million guaranteed. So that was a monster financial drop for Will Levis. Now, why everyone else passed on him, even Tennessee, why everybody else passed on him, like that, I don't know, but you know it's it's going to be like like you said, fascinating to watch the next two or three years to see 
if all three, all four of them, include Lawrence, all four of these guys make it. And if so, again, like I said, the AFC South is going to be fun to watch. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The philosophy of trading back and gathering picks like squirrels would nuts preparing for the winter. Is that a good philosophy for you when likely there's a couple, maybe even more of these dudes that will not be a part of this team moving forward? I guess there was just nobody there at the time that they liked. And if you can get an extra pick, you know, the more picks, the, the, the more chances you have to hit guys. You're not – the misses aren't as aren't as damaging. I, I, I'm i not crazy about more and more picks. I, I I would rather have a better player in round three or four, if, you can, if it works out, as opposed to, what was it, four fifth-round picks. And I realize they've had good luck later in the draft, and I understand – reinforcing your roster and all that but i would given my druthers i would rather rather have a better player in round three or round four as opposed to four or five or six in the last three rounds but we'll see again they've had good luck in in the later rounds and in the way that with with where they drafted guys a lot of these guys are going to make it because you need bodies you know, in prospects at the position, cornerback, you know, re- receiver, offensive line, I'm about the seventh round offensive lineman, but three corners and a safety, those guys are going to get a chance to play. You know, I, I still am hoping that he's got a free agent cornerback, you know, the Rocky Sin type guys, or a free agent offensive lineman. I still don't like the offensive line room. I just don't. Uh, but, you know, they have time, and, and he, he sort of makes – just the way he talks, Chris Beller makes it sound like they've got a free agent or two that they're looking at, and they're going to maybe see how these guys look in the rookie minicamp this weekend. But I still think they need a veteran corner, and I think that they need a veteran offensive uh, tackle. Tackle or, or I, I guess, guard, either, either one. You, need, you still need a right guard. We'll see if – uh, the rookie minicamp shows much as far as guards. The kid for Cathedral is interesting. Is, a, is it Emil Ikior? I guess his yeah. name is. I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't get drafted out. God, he played three years at Alabama for crying out loud. It's hard to believe those guys didn't get drafted. But uh, if we're sitting here at the end when they break veteran minicamp in mid-June and they haven't addressed those two spots with veterans, I'll be a little disappointed. Don't you think that in part, and Mike Chappell joins us, that their belief is with a different quarterback, and really regardless of whether it's Richardson or Minshew, and a different offensive philosophy, that the offensive line guys that you would expect not to look in the fashion in which they did a year ago would be better, even without, as of right now, the addition of anybody new? Isn't that part of their thought process? Well, primarily, it's, it's not to me. It's not so much the quarterback or Shane Steichen. It's Tony Sperano Jr. It is, is I think they believe that they needed a different set of eyes and a different approach. And you know, it, it, it was strange that nothing was done there last year with all they were doing. So I really do believe. I mean, it's obvious that they're they're, they're expecting those three guys to, to really have bounce back seasons. And, and if they do, they'll be in pretty good shape. As, as long as Bernard Ryman 
takes that next step in in year two. And, and we saw growth last year, but he's still he's still a young guy at the position. But I think it's more it's more the new offensive line coach than it necessarily is the quarterback. Because again, like I say, you get a quarterback that runs around. Yes, he escapes pressure, but a lot of times he runs into pressure. I, I, whatever the stat is, you know, Randall Cunningham he may lead the league in total sacks all time, and in one year, and it's a stupid number. It really is a dumb number because he ran into he ran into to pressure. But I, but back back on the line, I really think they anticipate a new voice, a new approach on the in the in the offensive line room, making a major difference. Yeah, I just I I think it's all the way around too. I and I, that can be a little bit dangerous. But then again, when you looked sure at this is. team and how how discombobulated it was, I don't think it's altogether wrong. I think there's also hope that how in the world can these, especially these three guys we paid so handsomely to perform, you know, how can they add collectively to this group and play so badly? Well, and on top of that, you're sort of handcuffed. You you can't cut. Or trade, you know, there, there was talk about right interest in Ryan Kelly. Okay, and then all of a sudden you got a big hole at center. But there's nothing you can do with Braden Smith and, and Quentin Nelson. I mean, th- those are your guys. You've you've invested in them, and and you still are. And you know, we we haven't really seen Quentin's extension take effect yet because he he goes through the roof, I believe, next year, cap wise. So so th- this is sort of who you've hooked your future to. You know, again, yes, you could have you could have moved on from Ryan Kelly, but you didn't have anyone. You know, if we get rid of Ryan, boy, we'd hate to. But but we got this guy. Well, you, you didn't have this guy, so they were, were really in no position the way they built this team to, to to do anything major as far as getting rid of people. My concern is that I, they didn't add anybody before the draft, and I I just I just think it's risky to expect. What was that? Freeland is he a fourth round pick? I I just yeah. think it's risky to say he's going to be your competition at tackle and your backup swing tackle or or your swing tackle. I mean, so we'll see where this goes. You know, it, it's this thing is not set yet. They've still got time. I just would kind of like to know what the answer is it on the offensive line because again, you're banking on the same guys playing better after playing really not very well last year. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. When you look at the overall draft from top to bottom, you happy with it? I, I said on Monday, Mike, that I didn't find much wrong with it, I guess, because they address needs. But as far as procedural, I guess you can look at it as, all right, trading back and, you know, you know, multi after multi fifth round selections may get a little bit old for folks. But I think otherwise – you know, even if you're a hardcore detractor and believer in Ballard right now, they did address the situations that they needed to address. Other than obviously going that more, much more in depth in the offensive line as you would have liked. Yeah, I, I think when you when you like people are giving them giving teams grades right now. To me, the only way you can grade a team is, and this is our our projections. Boy, they, they going into the draft, they needed quarterback cornerback, receiver, offensive line, tackle guard, whatever, however you want to do it. And and that's what they did. That that that's what they did. Now you can you can disagree with Richardson, you can disagree with Juju Brands, Josh Downs, the tackle. You know, and if if you want to argue that they could they should have taken a guard sooner, 
at 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 the cost of what the receiver or the or the corner. Uh, so I thought they did a good job. But giving them in kind of a letter grade now is kind of crazy. I don't care if the other eleven guys turn out to be really good players and a couple of them are starters and a Pro Bowler. If the quarterback doesn't work, it was a bad draft. It, it just was. I, you know, I hate to be so simplistic, but there's no they doubt. Had to, yeah. They had to and have to get the quarterback right. Talking again, talking to Ursay over the weekend, and, and even you know Shane Sykin said, you know, you build around the quarterback, and w- with the quarterback, everything is possible. And without him, you've got Jonathan Taylor running for 1,800 yards, and you miss playoffs. That's crazy. That's just crazy. So a couple of quotes that really were, were really telling, and I can't remember whether it was Ed Dodge or Morocco or or, or Ursay, but you you want the guy that no one wants to play. You want to have that quarterback that that no defense defense coordinator wants to play, and wh- whether it's a Mahomes or a Hurts or, or or name six or seven guys in the AFC. If you get we've seen it, if you get that guy, Manning and Luck. Everything is possible. When you've got luck, you can be down 38 to 10, and you can win. With Manny, you can be down 35 to 14 with five minutes to play, and you can win in overtime. That guy makes everything possible. And if you don't have that guy, and I realize there was a lot of things that went into it, if you don't have that guy, you know, you, you find a way to lose a 33 to nothing lead because, because at some point no one made a play. So if Richardson's the right guy, I, I think we'll have a good idea November, December. I, I really do. Not, not for sure that he's the guy, but we're going to know, okay, they got something. This guy really has a chance to be good. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we're going to know the other that this guy is Ryan Leaf and he, and he just can't do it, the wrong pick and all that. I think there's a chance at some point late we'll get a good indication that this guy's got a chance to be pretty good. Not Super duper great, but pretty good. If you were a betting person right now, would you bet that he would? He being Richardson started in Week One. If I had to put a hundred bucks down on my Beach Grove money, I would say yes. Me too. Yes, and, and I, I wouldn't put much more than a hundred dollars down because I do think there's a chance that he doesn't. But I think if, if if they believe he's ready to play, and he and and. They've got the team around him where they want it to be. I think he, he very well could start week one. So there's a lot of philosophies floating around out here uh, by the spoken word or by print or television-wise that would suggest the Colts would be better off being back up into the uh, top four, top five range next year. Um, I think that sucks, and I don't want to think about that. I think while you're up there, you go after what you believe is your future quarterback, your high-level quarterback. That's what they did this year. Now the rest of the time is working off of what you're building. But would that be your philosophy? Do they need another season to be back up where they were, close to where where they were this past year, to add somebody else top-level like that? It wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, if it happened – Again, talking to Ursay, he said, yeah, I had a long talk with Marvin Harrison, and we weren't talking like quarterbacks. He was talking Marvin Jr. You know, can you imagine having a top five pick next year and being in line to get Marvin Jr.? Uh, But the thing is, I think the fan base and and I think everyone would be fine 
if let's say they go with Richardson, and it's like Peyton, it's like Peyton's rookie year when when they're three and thirteen. But but you could see, you could just see that there was something there, and you, you know, yes, they made the big leap the next year because what Edrin was four, Edrin was four the next year, uh, and and a lot of people thought he really was the key to everything that they were able to do, that that top flight running back who could do so much. So, you know, let's say that they come out there and they start Richardson right away, and he starts 17 games. How much can you do you really think he might win? You know, Peyton won three games. So they could start him, and he could play relatively well and still have trouble winning five, six games just just because the team's not good enough yet, and he's not good enough yet. So – you could have the best. You could have the best of both worlds, and as a quarterback, play and get better. You see him getting better, and just not being where you need to be on the scoreboard. Uh, now, again, now if they start Minshew, and it, it, maybe things change a little bit, but I still look at this team, regardless who they start, and I see five or six wins. Well, five or six wins isn't going to give you a top four pick. You know, that, that, that's going to give you maybe a top ten pick. But I think you're, I think there's a good chance you're going to get a good pick next year, regardless how you do it. And I think that'll be fine as long as, you know, I, I said all along as as long as this team gets a quarterback that the fan base can say, okay, this is going to be a tough year, but boy, moving forward we see something. And I've always thought that 2024 is a season that they really ought to be pointing towards. Uh, that, but that's not to say that. That, that this coming season is a is a a three and fourteen season because that's what you want because you want the high pick. I'm not saying that at all, but I think they can I think they can start the, the rookie quarterback and show progress and not have it translate on the scoreboard. I just I can't imagine where it's going to be as bad as it was this past year. I'm not talking about the play. Well, that, that's, I'm just no talking about the record. There. I'm talking about the record. Oh. Well, yeah, I, probably not because again, with the, as, as bad as it was, you, you flip like four plays and they win eight games. That, yeah, I said, that, I said that, this all along. You flip and you win two more games that you absolutely should have won. Jeff Saturday's still here, and Chris is probably not. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that, that, that's that, that's really interesting to think about. And I remember <laughs> talking to Kevin Bowling, and he and he believes firmly. A couple more. He, he thinks maybe one more win yeah. would have they, done well, it. He might. I, I, he I, might I, be I, right because we both know <laughs> that Jim was looking for a reason to justify I that. Don't disagree. Yeah, I don't disagree. And if you win two or three more games, you haven't got Anthony Richardson. You've probably got Will Levis, I yep. guess. Uh, so yeah, it, it's really kind of cool to sit, sit there and do the the what if game because you know again last year. There were so many what if games, which led to a what if off season, and where we could be sitting right now. It's it's really crazy to think what could have happened. It's a Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, and we'll do it again next week and see what happens. Rookies all coming to town, get some workouts in, and uh, get that rookie quarterback well on his way to starting week number one. That's what I'm hoping for and looking for. And you agree? I'm glad. I think that I think that's the approach they take until they're proven otherwise. Mike, I appreciate you. We'll do it next week. Talk to you later. 
Hey, fans, want new flooring and want it now. March is the time to buy at Floors to Your Home, right, Brian Kahn? It really is, JMV. We have the state's largest selection of new flooring in stock. And we've just received additional truckloads of new hardwood, laminate, and waterproof flooring. So we're marking everything down. Brian, I'm looking at some of your incredible deals. We always sell up to 50% off those big box stores. But for a limited time, you can get new flooring starting at just 80 cents a square foot. 80 cents a square foot, that's incredible. That's three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof starting under $350 at Floors to Your Home. And you can get it right now. We have over 1,200 styles in stock. Floors to Your Home is the place for the lowest prices anywhere in Indiana. I'm doing my whole house. Three very convenient locations. Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who has the lowest prices on flooring? Floors to Your Home. That's who.